Conspiracy guys, this time joining me in the studio, uh, we have the lads from the Pod Squad. It's Jock San Chuck, and today we're going to be talking about the uh, not a serial killer, but a, a, a definitely a mass murderer, uh, a Monsignor Richard Speck. You've probably seen him from uh, watching that show uh, Mind Hunter. He was a uh, one of those featured characters trying to figure out how serial killer minds work, and uh, we're going to talk about the sad life. Um, the dirty deeds and the ultimate demise of of Richard Speck in our TCG True Crime series. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah, join me in the studio. Uh, I have uh, uh, Matt and Adam from the Pod Squad. How's it going, boys? Hey, good, good. Uh, welcome to the show. We've already just recorded an episode of your podcast, the Pod That's Squad, right. where you took a rudimentary stab at a bunch of conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, I could say that. Um, yeah. It got so, it got serious at one or two points, which was pretty pretty yeah. epic. And that's all your effort. I, I, <laughs> we were just going on, wouldn't this be hilarious? Actually, oh, sorry, God, that's true. Okay, sorry. sorry yeah, I, do, I do tend to vacillate between, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, emotional and psychologically damaging uh, cultural criticism and fart and dick jokes. It's just, it's, you know, the yin and yang, sweet and sour. Whereas we're purely from the dick and fart joke spectrum. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be helpful at all in this. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're talking about dicks and farts and this kind of stuff Richard Speck is probably he is that of, box yeah he, he, that's where he lives <laughs> yeah absolutely um, we're streaming live on uh, YouTube for the Patreon folks on video uh, so if you are not a Patreon subscriber and you want to get the full complement of shows that we're recording over the summer in anticipation for the American trip uh, I'm getting out season 7 and a bunch of true crime episodes so if you want to join in and watch that uh, live on video and listen to the show you can head over to patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys and join in all the crack. The lads are over there now. There's some of them watching. Hello, welcome, and uh, hope you enjoy it. This is happening in the afternoon on a, a Wednesday. Uh, so a warm Wednesday. A warm Wednesday. <laughs> a moist, a clammy Wednesday. So maybe this is not <laughs> um, the ideal environment for you to be to be listening to. You're in work or you're driving to work and you're like trying to look at it on the YouTube <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you get all of that early access stuff. I'll be taking those videos and cutting them into clips as well and uploading them online. Uh, but you can watch the whole thing live uh, from Patreon if you like. We're also on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Reddit, uh, anywhere just a social media thing, we have a thing on it. Even that new one that's kind of weird, like a Russian spy one, like Vero, it's called. Um, we, we have also a, a website, thoseconspiracyguys.com, that has all the articles and all the episodes and all the information, basically about the, the, the podcast and all the stuff that you could ever want to know, uh, thoseconspiracyguys.com. And we also have a Discord server, a wonderful community of TCG fans coming together, chatting, talking about conspiracies. Each channel uh, is, is a, an episode, so you can get in and get into nitty-gritty and you find online, you can go in and share that with the people. And uh, we do also have a YouTube channel and a BitChute channel. So BitChute holds all of the documentaries that YouTube would uh, flag and censor and uh, get get rid of. Uh, BitChute is, is, is filling the gap. We were using VidMe for a while and then they uh, went out of business. So fingers crossed, BitChute doesn't suffer the same fate. Uh, there is also a t-shirt store on TeePublic if you want to uh, get over and get some some designs. Uh, we have uh, loads of stuff like we have a great Charlie Manson print. We have uh, a wonderfully designed uh, Dyatlov Pass Sasquatch 
a cartoon Sasquatch. Uh, and then we have the logos of the podcast and stuff as well. So just like individually designed ones uh, done by me and I put them up on Public, And I've also curated a couple of hundred other different uh, designs for the different episodes that you can go and have. And there's uh, a load of sales and stuff going on the whole time. And Patreon also gets a 30% uh, discount as well if you want to do that. And we do have the resurrection of our sister podcast, White Press Play. So White Press Play com is the website or you can look up why press playing on your podcast apps where we talk about movies we talk about uh tv shows and we talk about computer games and play alongs that's what the green screen is for we'll be playing along doing all that stuff uh critiquing reviewing movies and trying to find the gems that uh you may have missed in the past i i liken it to coming home from the pub at like half two in the morning and you turn on the tv while you're eating your bag of chips <laughs> and you end up watching something and you're like oh, this, this is a bit weird but it's quite good and then it turns out to be the greatest movie you've ever seen in your life yeah and you miss the start going oh yeah like that happened to me who with was dust, that guy dust till dawn and i just like oh my god yeah yeah but that's the epitome of white press play and then of course <clears> the big project that's happening over in tcg towers is the uh, tcg tv american documentary road trip uh, you can go to gofundme.com slash TCGTV for all the information. But basically, Claire and I are going to America at the start of November 2018 for about six or seven months. We're going to drive around, make 12 feature length documentaries uh, based on like uh, gun control, uh, racism, food and health, uh, medicine. We're going to go to the lads who are living in uh, containers under the ground, the apocalypse preppers. Uh, there's one on those. We're going to talk to uh, cryptozoologists. We're going to talk about economics and politics as well. So there's loads to be uh, to be explored. And we're going to the places where the fucking conspiracies are made rather than <laughs> just looking at them through a, a, a kind of a Google box and experiencing them uh, uh, objectively. We want to get in, get our fucking fingers dirty, meet the people, shake some hands, <laughs> motherfucker. So get over to GoFundMe.com slash TCGTV and see if you can donate to help that thing happen. I need 14,000 people to give me a fiver. That's how it breaks down. 14,000 people. In 30 days, there's going to be 150,000 people going to listen to this episode. So I need 10% of you to get a fiver out of your pocket, roll it into a ball and throw it up the internet <laughs> at me. And if you do that, I'll give you a top-notch Those Conspiracy Guys Netflix documentary series fair fucking deal i think we've got uh, around 800 awesome sauce motherfuckers who have got us almost twenty thousand in that uh, uh gofundme so i'm really really thankful and really really happy that you guys have already helped out the show and helped me out and it's a one-time thing it's fucking fiver it's like buying me a beer or a coffee for all the good times for all the good times we had man um, so with that, we're going to get into talking about Richard Speck. But first, yeah. we're going to talk to our guests. Uh, you guys have a, a show called The Pod Squad. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. Uh, we are a comedy news uh, podcast. We look at strange, uh, unusual news stories from around the internet and kind of just just see what's going on, like weird in the world. Like the world is a, is a, is a, is a fucked up place. Oh, I know. You know, like it really is. And <laughs> I know. Most of the time, the main news is, is kind of, distracting you away from some of the sillier news and, and the stranger stuff that's going on in the world. So we kind of going to focus Who's on that. Who's fault is that? <laughs> I wonder. Hey, we're not placing blame on anybody. Right, right, right. I love it. We, we, I love it. We don't even do research. <laughs> <laughs> we, look, we look up headlines and, and, and we, we just kind of talk about them. So you're the podcast equivalent of like somebody looking at Facebook and going, ugh, I'm totally offended. Share. Yes. Love it. We're that guy. We do that and we... we Analyze the story, speculate. Uh, we, yeah, we generally, we, we won't look at the, at the story unless we really have to. Right. And, and, Sometimes and, and, the headline is enough. And yeah. it's those kind of stories where the headline is the story. I love it. You okay. know, so like the, my, my favorite one recently was um, drunk naked man throws chairs 
at police in a Louisiana casino. That needs no further explanation. Yeah. That's that's the whole story. You could, you could tell that story shouting out of a car window as you drive by somebody. Yeah, yeah. and they'll get the full. I, I was like, <laughs> of course he did. Of course, that's what we do here. If he was already naked, he'd not left to lose. Exactly, yeah. that's what it was. Well, we yeah. had a great we had a great show. We just recorded the show, uh, and I'm on it. We're talking about one of the one of the stories that hit me hard <laughs> was an 82 year old Japanese man who yeah, was, man. lived on an island for 26 years in solitude. Yeah, and he was like a cat who just given up on life and gone out down the field to fucking die in a heap. And uh, somebody found him and decided we're going to save this cunt's life, and they brought him back to society. I'm like, oh, yeah, what punishment? What terrible, <laughs> terrible punishment? Um, but yeah, you can get the you can get the, the that show and all of their other ones on Pod Squad. Uh, search Pod Squad S K W O D on all your podcast apps. Yeah. And you do or will have a website up and running very soon. Uh, we have a, a kind of a pseudo site, like a Libsyn kind of oh, yes. domain. Uh, but if you, as I say, if you put PodSquad into Google, you'll get us everywhere. And uh, we're we going to relaunch our, our website soon enough. Nice one. And Facebook um, and Twitter and Instagram and all the crack. Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we don't see, we're, we're the worst podcasters <laughs> ever because we don't get social media. I think we missed social media by about five years. you got to get so, on it, so, so now we're the grumpy old men going, what? What's Snapchat? <laughs> What's Instagram? What so now you're like the guy telling the stories about the, the Louisiana casino where you're like, yeah. Twitter models says, just write us a letter on a piece of paper and post it to us. <laughs> yeah. Like, Plus, ter- like I, Terry Morgan in the BBC. <laughs> and I, I tend to overanalyze social media. So if I'm on Snapchat or Instagram, I'm like, is this interesting? If I take a picture of this pen, is that interesting? And of course it's not. To what does people doing? To someone that might be. There's people That's taking pictures like, of Do you know where that pen comes from? from? Do you know what kind of plastic that is? <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, all right. It's the stories, boys. It's the stories. That's what you want. So to I, I suppose we'll, we'll have to get a finger out and uh, improve our social media. But um, yeah, we, we, we've been going for a while. There's still a lot more in us. So we'll just improve everything. And tr- Go tr- for two and a half years. Two and a half years so far. You're, you're almost uh, uh, like Irish podcasts uh, uh, stalwarts. Like you're, mm. you're the guys that are etched in the stone yeah. as far as podcasts goes. I love the you say, they're going for two and a half years and people are going... Who are they? Who are they? <laughs> Two and a half years. That's really good. Look Never it. heard of them. Look, man, in this day and age, anybody that gets famous like that. Yeah. Doesn't deserve like, it. Oh, it's an overnight success. It's an overnight success. That one has been working in the background for 10 years. Yeah. That's a fact. It's it's the equivalent of being, it's equivalent of spending two and a half years in your spare room shouting at a pillow. Yeah. You know. But sure, how, do you, how else do you learn how to play guitar to be like Jimi Hendrix? True. He was only famous for three years, but he was playing guitar for like 20 yeah. something, you know. <laughs> Um, so with all that out of the way, we're yep. going to get into Richard Speck. You guys were looking up some Richard Speck stuff. So before we get into the meat and details, like what had you known about him before we went to look look up some stuff? Uh, for me, it was it was more so just the murders, so the the eight murders, but nothing yeah. about his history or his childhood. I found that more so interesting. Yeah, and I think he's not as like up there famous as like Dahmer or Bundy or no. any of those. But he he definitely like in the in the stakes of like crazy motherfucker who kills people mm. he definitely is high on the list I just I guess he fits in the or maybe I'm, this is where you'll correct me but he fits in the box of the circumstance of how you're brought up yeah. or the changes in your circumstances in your childhood well, rather than just being kind of a click in the brain that went nah. mm. yeah like a red mist I yeah. don't know how many of the true, true crime or, or those conspiracy guys episodes that you've listened to but to be honest it's a fucking Tale has all this time. <laughs> Fucking Angela Lansbury singing yeah. shit. There's, there's, there's like, a definite trend there. Absolutely. You know, if you abuse a child when it's really yeah. young, it's going to grow up to, you know, be habitually abused or to be yeah. an abuser. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Like I, 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 
I didn't know any. I, I'd never even heard of Richard Speck now, you know, before this. Yeah. Um, I'd heard of all the, all, all the big ones. Um, I wouldn't even be into, I wouldn't have been into true crime. Uh, my wife is into true crime and documentaries and, and all that kind of stuff. That. Um, That's how it starts. Yeah, I know. But uh, that's a vicious circle. Like yeah, that. yeah. But, <laughs> whereas, like, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the side of things. Of, you know, I, I've never, I, I don't watch crime procedurals or documentaries enough. But I'm, I'm that egotistical that I, I sit back and go, I could get away with a murder. <laughs> I because, I, because I watch because, enough. Do you know why? First and foremost, because you're not impeded by other people's mistakes. It's not even that. Do you know what I mean? If it's I know it's it, like a musician that's never listened to music before, you're just like, oh man, I, you know, I'm not influenced heavily by anybody. I just made my own thing. Yeah, so it is good. But it's not even that. It's just the number one rule is keep your sperm to yourself. <laughs> because they always cr- find the sperm. They always find the sperm. This is the black light, and you're done. It's like under the cooker somehow. It's like where the fuck did that get there? Who put that there? Just, yeah. just, just, just keep it to yourself. There's something about Richard. <laughs> I, to be honest and I'm, I'm into true crime I had never heard of this guy until I watched Mindhunter about six or eight months ago okay I, I, I never I never realised there was a Richard Speck who, who committed this awful crime and maybe because it wasn't in the mainstream like you've heard of Bundy's you've heard mm-hmm. of Dammers, Dammers you've heard of Son of Sam you've heard of you know all of these uh, uh, famous serial killers as it were yeah and it's beginning to make a resurgence and I think it's an awful lot because of uh, uh, like podcast true crime popularity mm-hmm. like true crime and, and podcasts seem to be now synonymous there's so many and so many of the main most popular podcasts are true crime yeah. that like a lot of these kind of people are, are uh, have been heard already when you type in Richard Speck into the podcast search engine it's only pulling up five or six episodes there's not that many on this guy yeah and super <clears throat> interesting I had it on a long list and since I saw him in Mindhunter and I looked up what was going on and he has that whole um um, tattoo yeah the tattoo thing that's Mm -hmm. like he has branded himself yeah I'm evil to the core and I know it and I'm a I'm a a mover and I'm a shaker and we saw that in Charlie Manson we saw that in Ted Bundy like those guys make up their mind to be that thing and then they almost have to follow through on a decision that they may have made in a a moment when they weren't really thinking or something like that but is is another thing where they're because they have they have you know troubled childhoods and you know, the, 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 there is a definite trend there with, with, with all these people but they, they embody that identity though Matt it's like they're going like I'm a fucking evil guy like they're told so many times like you're evil you're evil you're evil that, like, that's what I mean they're kind of living up to the yeah. perception that people are putting, by putting on them and then of who they, they get are. an opportunity like like this guy we'll talk about him in a minute now the, the, the Richard Speck got an opportunity when he got out of jail after like a whole teenage youth of petty crime he got an opportunity to, to get the shit together and get normal mm-hmm. and he didn't take it and he went deeper into crazy yeah and it seemed to be a thing, it was a, a common opinion of wherever he lived that he had the tattoos and he, you know, he'd show off the knife, but he was actually, you take the knife away from him and he'd go, right, hand, fist, fight. And it was like, no, 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 fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. Yeah. And it, 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 by the end, it was all about just surviving day to day. And That's it, it. everyone was just Life uh, is defensive more yeah. something than else. It's like, he seemed to a lot of times dig his own hole and you're kind of going, he, was, he had like the support of all his sisters and mm. his brothers. His mom so was like coming and bailing him out the whole yeah, time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Seems like self sabotaging. Like he, he wanted to, kind of live up to the, to the perception that that, that people had of him, and a self made character of yeah. a caricature mm. of his own personality. Mm. And a lot of people get stuck like that, man. Yeah, weird. A lot of people's personalities, they make a decision and they're like, I, you know, the way you see like a fifty year old dude, and he's wearing the pants. He, he what happens is, like this fifty year old dude has a great life up until a certain age, mm-hmm. and then his life starts to get a bit shitter so all the stuff 
that he engages in is stuff from that age in his life. So yeah. you see like a 50 yeah, year old yeah, dude yeah. who has like a 90s haircut and he wears like, you know, a, a boot cut jeans and like caterpillar <laughs> boots yeah. and like a Grateful Dead t-shirt. And he's like, I'm the coolest. And he just stays like that until he's dead. Like that's the style because he was like, I'm just going to wear the style that I was when I was at my coolest. This is when I was happiest. Yeah, yeah. This is when I was happiest. I was a man, and this is like, <laughs> yeah. So and this is slowly taken from me. So that's that's kind of that's kind of like the rich respect thing. Where, where you, you just described me nearly forty sitting here in a Goonies t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I was cool when I wore this. I love the Goonies. Goonies it was, are great. It's our time down here. <laughs> but I think I think that I just went for plain black. Yeah, because that's what I that's what I feel like coolest. Because you can't see my moves. I just, I should have gone for the plain black, but I'm rocking the Goonies t-shirt. Yeah, fuck right. man. But like it's a thing of like Richard Speck got got put into this uh, caricature of of the image that he had for himself, mm. and he had a, the you know the slick back hair, the Elvis look, and the tattoos and the whole thing, and he was he was prejudged by everybody, so he kind of lived up to. And I can see how a lot of people who are in situations where they're being prejudged, and there's a lot of stuff in in uh, uh, you know mainstream media now at the moment. We're talking about uh, cultural appropriation, and you're talking about you know. Uh, institutionalized racism and the patriarchy and all these kind of things that we talked about in our cultural Marxism episode you can see how those systems can be in place I'm softening up on those mm. on those points of view because <laughs> if people are looking at you and expecting you to be a cunt just by the way you look and you're consistently fighting against those preconceptions yeah and not really making any ground because like you're not going to change people's minds by being mm -hmm. super nice if they've made up the mind that you're a fucking robbing bastard yeah yeah you're just going to go fuck it i'm just going to lean into what people think of me and yeah. i'm just going to act like that anyway exactly and i can see that happening man in, in a lot of places like <laughs> yeah yeah you could wonder like c can that be changed is there is there a paradigm shift that the the, the global mindset towards these things can be changed and i don't think that you know, liberal politics and they're going to change that. Mm. But like, in the, we're talking about in the late 50s and early 60s, Richard Speck is bopping around. We're talking about the first revolution, like the, mm. the, 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 the second wave, as they call it. It was like yeah. the new enlightenment. He was in a, he was like knocking around in the prime of his life in his early 20s at a time in America and on the planet where redemption was the number one mm -hmm. like cultural movement. Yeah. saving yourself changing your life taking acid tuning in and dropping out yeah change society you know uh, uh, loads of accepting people people super accepting and liberal and and uh, you know uh, uh, encouraging of alternative lifestyles if there was any any time on planet earth when you would have been accepted it's either right now <laughs> or in 1966 yeah and at a similar time charlie manson got got out of jail after a lifetime of institutionalization mm. And he got dumped into fucking San Francisco in 1967 at the height of like flower the, power, power and acid culture. And, and it's like super progressive, right, super okay. accepting thing. And he, he bounced into it and went, hey, what's going on, man? Come on, let's make some music. Let's do some something. And he ended up getting yeah, mates yeah. with the fucking Beach Boys and shit. Like it was <laughs> super progressive. And then he just, he let his crazy go and he just took a lot of drugs and you know, a little bit of racism came out and then he just like, you know, killed a bunch of people. But, or got other people to kill a bunch of people. Yeah. But you could see Richard Speck like was just fighting against this thing and he was an alcoholic and, and the whole thing ended up just like turning against him. Mm. You yeah. end up living up to the expectations people have of you, be they positive or negative, right? Yeah. Well, it, 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 it started like, I mean, the, the, the documentary that, that, that I watched, it started when he, when he was six and his, his father died. Yeah. 
and uh, it was you know the, the presence of a stepfather and you know, carry on. you know it, it's and and then they you know his mother moved them to to a city or whatever. But that, that like when you're six years of age and and your life changes that dramatically, you know if it's not dealt with in a way that that people would understand more now. Mm. Like obviously back in the sixties, it wouldn't yeah. have been that much of a of a concern about it. But that kind of stuff back then was probably like ah, just get over it. There wasn't a lot of That's focus saying, on mental yeah. health yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I mean today. You know, you you would have there's relationships break up and and kids get involved in the middle of it, and it's it's dealt with a little bit better these days. Like you know, the chances of a serial killer being you know created for want of a better word out of a broken marriage is is a lot slimmer than it would have been back in the fifties or sixties. I think. But they have support structures now in schools and stuff. If people start acting up or acting weird, mm-hmm. that it ends up being uh, taken care of or mm-hmm. nipped in the bud. Do you know? Yeah. yeah. I think I suppose another big issue of the whole thing was the the change from one extreme father figure to being hard working and going out fishing and a close connected relationship. Mm. All of a sudden, this guy who's a bit of a dealer and a salesman yeah. and a drunk and a beater and abuser yeah. and young young like abusing young kids is going to lead to some fucking wild mm. shit. Like, do you know? So, uh, I don't know if I'm kind of jumping ahead, but would you say the relationship between the mother being super religious and how she went from like the ideal man, hard-working American, to this kind of wheel-deal drunk. Do you think his opinion or his mental attitude towards society comes from his mother choosing two different type of men or is it the actual new stepdad abuse? It could be both, yeah. Well, mm. let's get into it then. Let's jump in. So, uh, Richard Benjamin Speck was born on the 6th of December 1941 and he was more of a spree killer than like a serial killer, like technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had dirty blonde hair, pimple pock faced uh, young fella with uh, southern drawl and country charm. He was very uh, charismatic as, mm-hmm. as it went. Uh, Richard was responsible for the deaths of eight student nurses in 1966 and he spent the rest of his life in prison and he died at just 49 years of age. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about that <laughs> again in a minute. Uh, he was born in Kirkwood, Illinois uh, and he was the seventh of eight children, which is like a fucking, a kind of a, a, a social a social pariah in itself. Like if yeah. you're, you know, you're the last in line to get the dinner dish, like yeah. you're getting fucking hand-me-downs that are yeah. four or five. And a lot of older levels. sisters. A lot of women. Yeah, a lot of older yeah. sisters. Yeah. Older sisters. And the mammy as well. Yeah. So a lot of female influence. Um, there was a big gap between him and his older siblings and he, him and his uh, younger brother came a lot longer after uh, uh, the the original uh, ladies because the mother was giving birth to kids very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he said he felt isolated in his family. His, his older brother, uh, who d- died very young at 23 in a car crash, uh, and then his father died very, very young at 53 from a heart attack. So it was mm. congenital, like he, like Richard died at 49. So you can see there was some kind of, you know, medical, something wrong there in the, yeah. in in the, the, old, in the old blood box. Yeah. But the fact that there was such a big gap and his dad died very young. Richard was only six years of age when his dad died. And like you said, there was no alcohol in the house. It was quite a religious household. And his father, you know, was, was quite strict. Um, but, but by all accounts, loving and, and mm-hmm. involved in, in his life and in the lives of the other children, he was minded by his older sisters like surrogate mammies. And then his mammy then was very much a, a hands-on mammy and minded him and you know, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So... It seemed like up until he was six, everything was fucking hunky dory. Everything was roses, yeah. prairie, almost stuff. And then, dum dum dum, fifty three, <laughs> your dad like pitches a fit, dies up in a heart attack, and 
you're kind of fucked like yeah. your whole world is turned upside down and no matter how many older sisters you have you're kind of still a bit fucked yeah mm-hmm. do you know uh the, the the mother like you said adam fell in love with another man an insurance salesman from texas and then they moved to fort worth texas and brought as many kids as there were under the age of uh, 16 mm-hmm. so i think there was like four of them moved and richard yeah and uh carl rudolph Lindbergh was the man's name but he was a hard drinking man he had a wooden leg and an extensive criminal record, including uh, forgeries and drunk driving, as well as some uh, uh, reports of assault while drinking. So this guy was the complete antithesis of mm-hmm. of his dad. He was often missing from the family. He'd go off on long business trips. They thought he was consorting with prostitutes and doing all this stuff, cheating on the mother. And he would come home and kind of abuse her and abuse the younger children as well, verbally and mm-hmm. and physically. And uh, he he would psychologically, particularly uh, abuse Richard Speck and get get into his head, mm. make mm. him feel bad about his appearance. Mm. Would tell him that he looked like a girl, that he was a little because he was skinny and weedy, and he had kind of like a maw face, like his face is very long, and he was like mm. big sad eyes. He looked like uh, if a bloodhound made a wish on a magic lamp and went I'd like to be an American and it just turned into Richard Speck just like pure <laughs> sad that's a very face. accurate description yeah and just like long lanky six foot one Richard Speck was and he was long and lanky and he wasn't strong he was he was awkward slight and awkward and you know he thickened up like towards mm-hmm. the end obviously we see a, a video and talk about that in a while yeah but like when he was a young lad he was like undernourished he's the seventh of eight kids so, like, the stepdad will come in and just hit him where it hurts, man. And if you want to be a bully, if you want to be a cunt and give some people some shit, you're mm. going to pick on the thing that hurts them the most. Yeah, it's, it's the one thing bullies are, are, are good at is, is finding somebody's weakness and, and, and picking on them. And if you're somebody's parent or step-parent, it seems to be, unfortunately, that step-parents seem to know how to pick those to, uh, pick those nerves a lot better than anybody yeah. else. Because you know them, you, you're fucking growing up. Like, yeah. You're growing up around these people. They're they you're they're growing up around you. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you want to go like, oh, I know the thing that you were yeah. embarrassed about, or I know mm-hmm. the thing like, and if you're drunk and you just want to lash out at someone, it's the same like uh, husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. You know so much about each other. If you just want to fuck them off, mm-hmm. you just be like, yeah, well, what about that time that you got sick at your sister's party? Yeah, that was twelve years ago. People <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> forget. So like, yeah, bitch, I was holding on to that one. Slam <laughs> like fucking yeah, Pokemon cards for poof. Embarrassment level twelve. <laughs> I see that car and I yeah. raise this. Oh fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> oh mother in law defence, shit. I don't know how to play Pokemon cards. Oh that gets me all the time the mother in law defence. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Richard's ma like still tried to make a nice life for him, kinda of was like, No, no, Carol, don't like this kind of stuff. But I mean I kinda of feel how what? can you defend against like snide whispers? Or why did she end with him? Why did she go off? It's, oh, it seems like the complete you, opposite direction. Dude, you can't help who you fall in love with. But he... Oh, well, I mean... A, a church-going his, woman who yeah, but his, was like, married to a hand. wanted a bit of fucking... A bit of strange. Well, I mean, I... I, I <laughs> <laughs> strange. I'm going to get a bit sceptical like, on it. I want to get that one leg and do things. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe, like, this guy... This guy was a sketch artist. He was a fucking a forger. He was a smooth, smooth talker. And he was... It, like, obviously, young Richard was looking at his as his stepdad and his stepdad is coming in and and like charming the man he has a Texas draw he's like come on now baby mm-hmm. where we're gonna go oh, you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna give me that shit right now come on girl <laughs> you know I love you come on like now take my leg yeah <laughs> don't make me take off my leg baby 
<laughs> but if, 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 if you imagine, I'll break my leg over your neck, baby. Come on, <laughs> don't give me no shit in front of the kid. Like that kind of shit. If you're a, if you're a, like a woman who's had her husband die, you have a dose of kids that are responsible for you, and he's a man with with money. I'm not saying she's a gold digger. I'm saying she's he's supporting hard time and needs some support. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Do that, and he was nice probably sometimes, mm-hmm. and then other times probably not. Yeah. I was, going, I was going to get skeptical about it and say that you know she needed security. Yeah, she had a lot of kids. She needed looking after. And if he had, if he had the charm and he had the the money, and it seemed like he had security to, to offer. Yeah, can't blame her really. And sometimes you put up with a few digs in the head. Yeah, that was just the way it was. It was a different time, right. lads. You're making a face. <laughs> yeah, I was going like, uh, it, it, it is. I was like, don't hit the girl and the woman. Yeah, but, no. but especially not with your wooden leg. But how many like uh, you? You boys are men of the world. You you you've been around. We're not, we're not young men here. Nope. So you've had like mots that have been melters and you put up with it because she has like nice cans or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a little while. And then you're all like, I know you're a lunatic. Bye. True story. Yeah. And then just like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, well, you're not getting your stuff back. That's okay. Because I just can close my eyes and remember your tits. (laughs) And that's good enough for me. Plus I can get more stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think I need you out of my life. Buy new stuff. (laughs) Bye. Don't need your stuff. But that's the thing. Like, I mean, I mean, she's a a woman in in peril, pretty much. It's 1966. She hasn't got a full-time job at this point. Mm -hmm. She's living in, in, you know, Illinois, country, rural Illinois. Yeah. And she has fucking eight kids, bro. Yeah, you know, only two of them are of adult age, and then one of her kids is, has died in a car crash. She's already had trauma. She's had her son and her fucking husband brown bread, and she has seven kids left that she has to mind. Like, she's obviously, like, she's going to be in an emotional state. And a lot of the documentaries say like the mother yeah, fell in love with a bad man. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be judging. Yeah, like some shit fucking went down in that family. Like, she needed some fucking help. She she's needed li- a dig out. She's living a TV movie there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lifetime, lifetime. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, it's it's hardcore it's to think about that family situation. And I'm sure there are uh, listeners out there who do have similar, you know, non-traditional family structures and yeah. stepfathers, and you know, uh, uh, like you're you're the you're the father of a stepson. That's right. So yeah. like, you know, you could be a prick and just like know all the stuff that he's in. Is like, I know what you're doing when you close the door at night time. Like, see, I can see the internet. <laughs> the, I can see the router blinking like Billy O <laughs> when you're going at yourself at eleven at night. Like you could fucking ruin that young lad's business. Genuinely, I'm terrified of that. Right? I don't want to get too serious about it. But genuinely, I'm terrified about that for one main reason: is that I saw a documentary on Netflix a while ago. Don't ask me the name of it, but about this girl who was kidnapped and then was put in the basement for twenty odd years and then resurfaced. But the stepfather was always the number one suspect, yeah. even though. He saw the girl being kidnapped, being put into a car, and tried running up the hill after the car. J.C. Lee Dugard. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> J.C. Dugard. Yeah. Nailed it. But they, they pulled him in, and they, they asked him, they put him on a polygraph, and, and even though they're not admissible in court, but that they'll, it's like you're saying, if if they prove it, if they, the results on the polygraph come up that, that you're a liar, yeah, yeah. Um, that there's no getting around that, you'll be kind of tried by public or whatever. So he was always the number one suspect. And they'd ask him questions like, did you ever have a fight and wish that your stepdaughter was never around? Because, of course he did, because he's a human being. Yeah. You know, but he, if he decided... And, like, you know, and the yoke went, meh. Like, 
Book him away, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> so like, I get like genuinely terrified. It's like so, so, so my stepson Thomas turns out to be a serial killer. They're gonna come looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you do to him? Nothing. <laughs> I just wouldn't let him play the PlayStation like, every day. Remember, he found a fucking he found a copy of my Razzle <laughs> under the mattress, and that was the end of him. But this is it. Like, so you know, you know what it's like to be. To, to, to feel like that about somebody that's not your blood mm-hmm. that like at sometimes you're like yeah I do really love you but sometimes I punch the head off you and I have absolutely no affiliation to you genetically so mm-hmm. do you want to fuck with me right now <laughs> do you want to fucking fuck with me right now like they're the things you need to have on a plaque above the door in the kitchen yeah you know yeah, like, yeah. I'm not genetically obliged to keep you alive like you're not <laughs> that's the thing I will not give you a kidney <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? that's it like so do you want to fuck with me right now so I can understand how, you know, the yeah. stepfather w- wouldn't really be all for it. But at the mm. same time, like you're taking, you, you, you're like, going out with the woman, you're kind of taking on the responsibility. Exactly. And a father is not, it doesn't necessarily have to be the genetic offspring. No. You know, it takes a village and there are so many non-traditional family structures out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jimmy has two mammies or whatever. Well, that's the video I watched on you. <laughs> Explaining that, how that <laughs> works, I don't know. Do they do it? It's like this, right? It's like, this isn't what we're going yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like you have to understand that all of those things are okay. And there was a whole yeah. thing there about like the, the, the same-sex marriage referendum. And in America, then they, they made it legal later on mm. after uh, we all had our referendum. We were the first country in the world to to have that in as, as uh, like a, a referendum league. Mm-hmm induce law into our yeah. legal system or whatever you call it and it spurred on a lot of countries to make it fully legal and the arguments that were coming out is like oh yeah it's like it's like indecent and it's you know deviant and you're teaching kids that this is okay and so and you're like dude if you have one person minding you and you came out of their body and they're having a hard time minding you even if you're on your own never mind if you have seven other brothers and sisters who gives a fuck if someone man or woman wants to come along and help mm-hmm. and at night time because they like that the person that you came out of so much that they give them a kiss on their genitals as well yeah like that's just like that's a bonus <laughs> so what are you fucking talking about yeah yeah do you know what I mean doesn't matter but if you're like Carl Lindbergh and you're coming in and you're uh, going yeah all, I, all I'm here for is that that pussy mm-hmm. and fuck all the kids and whatever you kind of like that's not what you're you shouldn't be signing up for that you shouldn't be allowed no. to be signed up for that because no so if the baggage is not what you're after find somebody without and baggage is a horrible word but you know what I mean like you can find he could have found pussy without eight kids for shizzle yeah but he's obviously targeting the weak mm-hmm. kind of going well what I'll do is I'll just marry this one and have the family image yeah and then at two in the morning I'm just gonna get pissed head to a brothel do and then I come back and she want. has a problem I go shut up yeah. yeah there's a hundred quid get some groceries whatever just shut your mouth because she's already broken she's had she's had her hard times mm-hmm. and young Richard wasn't a fucking cakewalk either mm. no you know uh, she had some problems with him in the classroom and his dysfunctional life kind of leaned into his personal life he refused to wear glasses in the classroom he needed to see so that means he couldn't read and he wasn't really paying attention in school properly uh, he also refused to speak in class because he was deathly afraid of appearing dumb or being ridiculed so obviously something was going on at home where that was a phobia that was instilled in him uh, the set that called him a dumbass or whatever mm-hmm. and if you're not able to see the board and you're not getting practice with reading and you're not wearing glasses that you should be 
that means you're not reading it means you're not engaging with the material yeah. which means that you're gonna fall behind and as you get older and the further you fall behind the more you just bounce out yeah, yeah. like i was looking at the stats for uh, adult literacy in ireland very poor it is very poor yeah double digits on the percentage mm-hmm. man very mm-hmm. poor and there's people that totally could learn how to read but they've created their life around the fact that they don't need to mm. and whatever job they have they don't need to read and then at home they're not into it they're not watching fucking you know subtitled French movies mm-hmm. or whatever like that they're just living their life the way they have created around themselves yeah. and you know they know what the prices and stuff are and that's about it Yeah. sometimes you might buy a a can of you know p- like peeled potatoes instead of pears because mm-hmm. you can't see the fucking thing and you're just like oh it's potatoes so yeah. isn't that why the, the whole the yellow packaging that went out of just went off the shelves oh yeah without pictures because yeah. people just saw cans and they went what the fuck is peas and what the fuck is peaches um, um. I know the letter P but uh, after the E I'm, I'm, I'm taking a gamble it's like just grab one of everything so yeah like there's a big push for, for adult literacy and it's like the stigma has gone away from it if you can't read like fuck it tell somebody and go learn but what happened with Richard, he was just like falling further and further behind, which gave him more of a stigma, which mm. gave him more of a chip on his shoulder, which yeah. made him angry. And this internalized this anger. And as we talk about later on, it wasn't a fucking genetic predisposition to anger. You can't be born a murderer. Mm. This is a systematic oppression of this young lad's like essence. Yeah. Like his life, his personality, his his future, his education, everything's just being pressed on and everything in his life is saying, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not justifying killing eight nurses and no, no, but raping it, it, a bunch it, of people. But it, if you're if you're watching a kid and that's happening, that's happening, and then you go, "Geez, I I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> he just came out of nowhere and did that." It's like, nah, no, that shit doesn't come out of nowhere, man. No. I think uh, this probably jumping ahead, but as he got older, it wasn't like he was left in his own. Like when he went to his his sisters and his brother, like his brother got him a job with another carpenter. His sister said, "Yeah, you can stay with us." and giving him a few bob every now and again the mother was always there bailing he him out he was minded yeah. but which is like he was being supported it wasn't like he was the family rejected him and said no no you're bad news or yeah. you're, you have a bad name around town so something happened what was the thing that happened you know that made him stay in that no matter how much help he was getting and some people say that it, it was uh, it was alcohol that was keeping him down that he was an addictive personality and from the age of 13 he was hopping the drink into him he dropped out of high school mm-hmm. like just before uh, the, the, the his 16th birthday he bounced like that's an abdication of society he's just like alright all normal uh, habitual treatment of my yeah. own life like, <laughs> like pull yeah. the fucking lever and you're gone man yeah no habits no routine all the stuff that the kid a developing brain needs mm-hmm. he just yeah abdicated that shit and he like he was drinking daily from the age of 13 he was drunk in school daily mm-hmm. so he was able to get the money for the drink and drinking and then he was in school kind of a bit hammered with no glasses not being able to read totally disaffected mm. and then ended up getting such bad grades and getting so much shit off the teachers and being sent home every day that he just went fuck it and he bailed out yeah. you know well that became I suppose his habit that's what he learned to do to cope so it's like I'm not going to school so it's just it's shelter and to just recover with a hangover so this is what yeah. I'll do and so I'll drink in the morning recover in school and Somewhere then get sent to get yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and figure out how to rob kids probably give us your lunch money and, and to manipulate and to lie and to hide yeah. your addiction and to hide your, you know, deficiencies. Yeah. Plus, he, he was probably realizing that the behavior that he saw from his stepfather was behavior that was working for him. There was a positive outcome, yeah. A positive outcome for, you know, and that's, 
you know, that as Adam said, that's the routine he would have formed himself. This, this is this behavior I see is 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 working for me so far. You know, if if I'm able to steal kids' lunch money and go get drunk, well then sure I'll keep that up. And if he's not getting properly chastised for it, yeah. Yeah. He'll just be like, yeah, fucking get away with it. Yeah. Kids will get away with anything. Anything you let them get away with. Let them get away with. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Uh, so, yeah, well, the, the stuff they learned from his dad, uh, well, his stepdad, and all these other extraneous factors that were leading him towards a nefarious life of crime, he was arrested numerous times for trespassing. Mm-hmm. And over the years, between 13 and 21, he'd be arrested dozens of times for petty crimes. He was fond of the sup. He yeah. was a devil for the drinking. And he was involved in loads of fights, ruffian activity, vandalism, like breaking windows, smashing cars, as well as engaging in solicitation of sex from a very young age. Mm. So he's mad into the prostitutes, even from 15. Yeah. And I'm like, at 15, how the fuck do you know where to go to get a prostitute? There must have just been every place. Well, I can tell you when I was 15. Like a centra. Yeah. Can you imagine us like a 15 in Ireland going around going, hello, missus, are you a prostitute? I heard you down in Lisson Street. If I give you five pounds, would you touch my winkle? Like, what the fuck? This is great now. Thanks a million. Yeah. Here's us with our fucking X-Works jeans and hair split down the middle. Humming an S Club 7 song with an Oasis t shirt on, trying to front, being like, Yeah, I love Oasis. Don't stop. Will you touch my willy? Do you know, like, what the fuck? This lad is. What are you doing there? Oh my god, what are you doing? Oh my boobies. Oh, sorry. Put them away. Oh, sorry. Oh, I have to go. I have to go. Um, but what? yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, that's because you wouldn't think it'd be much more. And you're like 50. 50? That's a load. <laughs> I haven't won the lottery or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not buying shares in your vagina. But this is. Um, but yeah, it just, it just, it seems so, fuck, I don't know, man. That a young lad like that, instead of just like doing the secret wank thing that 15 year olds do, he's like out going for hookers straight up because he knows, like he's straight, he, he stretched his short pants, if you know what I mean. Like he yeah. went from like a young, young kid who was innocent into like I, I know the secrets of adulthood, and I've already become disenfranchised with life. Yeah, like I know that it's there's no point to growing up. Well, there's a lot of factors Just against him. Like he, he could have followed his father one night. Like his father was could have been using prostitutes. Could have his followed stepfather. his stepfather. Yeah, um, uh, and it, it seems it, like it, he copied a lot of his behavior. I would say so. And then because he was in the seventies, and it was a, it was a different time. There was less people. Probably if he's in a rural part of. Of Texas, but watching his stepfather, like you would know in in small towns who the prostitutes are, or at least where to go with the seedy areas. Yeah, and you know if you've robbed enough money, or you take money out of your mother's purse or whatever, and you can go and you can, you can get a prostitute. But I think he was definitely a product of of watching his father operate. Well, his stepdad was a, a, a stepfather, a, a sketchy motherfucker. He was a he was a forger. Mm-hmm. He was a confidence trickster. Yeah, and he used to forge um, checks. And uh, Richard Speck got caught a bunch of times for forging checks and petty larceny and theft. And he used to forge like checks for stupidly small amounts of money, like two and three dollars. One time he uh, he uh, forged a, a he cashed in a check from a co-worker for forty four dollars and he went to jail for it. Like, like this is small. I know probably in 66, that's quite a lot. Yeah. And we heard about this with Charlie Manson as well, doing loads of petty crimes, yeah. loads of little larcenies and kind of this, uh, you know skirting the 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 out the borders of the law. Yeah. And he got caught like Charlie Manson got caught for forging a three dollar check. And Richard Speck the same. Like a three dollar check. Just like just like rob it. <laughs> just like <laughs> throw up your jumper. It's like what do you want? I want a can of Coke and a Snickers. 
rob them from the shop yeah just take, take them, them. straight <laughs> like just be real sneaky and do it instead of being like I'm sober three dollars you say madam <laughs> <laughs> yes please I don't catch that till Monday because like, I'm an adult and this yeah. is what adults do yeah. I don't know what that means don't catch that till Monday but I've, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard someone say it it's uh, on TV once <laughs> it's just it's just like so bizarre that he's acting like this he's already acting like a mid 40s deviant at like 15 yeah but it's like Mom was saying, if he's if your influence, your male influence is this guy who's, uh, yeah. you know, a forger and going out with prostitutes, you think, well, yeah, I want to be a man now. So what what do I do? Prostitutes, yeah. tick, drunk, Sha- chick. I shave, make sure that I like wash my foreskin and forge checks. That's what yeah. men do. I'm now a man. Yeah, he uh, he left school very early and he got a job in a Seven Up bottling company, but he could hardly keep the job because he was fucking drunk all the time. He, the way he's changed in appearance, so there's pictures of him very young, like mm-hmm. at 12, and then there's pictures of him at 16, and he looks 45. Yeah. He had the the greaser, biker kind of look about him, and he had the slick back, dirty blonde hair, and he had like pockmarks from acne or whatever was going mm-hmm. on. So when we talked around about harm, potential hormone imbalances and stuff, he, he there was some shit. Mm. There was some shit going on hormonally with him. Mm. Um, maybe that was stress too. And he had loads of tattoos including the infamous Born to Raise Hell, which was tattooed on his arm. Yeah. Uh, that eventually got him nabbed for the murders, uh, mm-hmm. ironically enough. So Idiot. this Born to Raise Hell thing, like, he had this whole I'm against society, I'm anti-society, like, fuck everything mm. attitude already. And it would it be any wonder that he'd commit crimes that were unconscionable and, like, inhumane when he'd already checked out of society and checked out of humanity. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, he's. I mean, he started off petty, you know, different forms of petty crime and that, and it, you know, it could have been where you know, if he was born to raise, if he felt he was born to raise hell, or he overheard somebody saying that about him, yeah, or you know, he gets caught and his mother has to come bail him out of jail again, you know, you'll hear somebody say, "Well, so what do you expect from him?" That's the thing. The expectations were probably very low. Yeah. So you know, this is what you expect from him because you bailed him out of prison before, or he's stolen money before. You're not so teaching many lessons here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he could have heard somebody in the town saying, "You know, he's born to raise hell," and then he's like, "You know what? I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna embody that." Yeah, yeah. Living up to his own low expectations. Well, at twenty, he went and got himself a fifteen-year-old girlfriend. Don't worry, lads. That's the way they used to do it back in the day. It's a different time, different time. And she almost got immediately pregnant. Uh, they were married just as quick. It's got like married three months or something. Yeah, yeah. Very, very. Well, yeah. I mean, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Three, three, three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks. Said, yeah. So she didn't even get to have like one PMS week in front of him. God. Like, I get with you, but don't give me any of that sass. In fact, I'm going to get you pregnant so you won't have your <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Get rid of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Shirley Malone was her name and she moved in with Speck and underwent the downhill shit tumble of abuse that mm. Richard had endured in his own home and kind of passed on to her as it were. Yeah. Uh, she was a prisoner in her own house. She had orders to stay indoors and be a good wife and not be talking to people, especially men. And, you know, Richard would take his 7-Up money and he would go and spend the, the whole wet paycheck on uh, drinking hookers, mm-hmm. basically. It, when you say he can spend his 7-Up money, it sounds like he's still 12. <laughs> he had money I'm to buy 7-Up. I'm my 50 cent <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to get a kiss from a prostitute <laughs> and maybe a, an, an, an eight or something. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait up. I'm gonna get a Taz bar and a honk on the winkle. Fifty pence. But it just it just seems like he wanted to perpetuate that that relationship. Yeah. It it kind of may indicate that 
his ma was maybe in a situation similar mm-hmm. with the stepfather that he got her yeah. kind of manipulated her and then pushed his agenda pushed his yeah yeah uh, you're playing the wife similar thing yeah like you and were, now I'm being the man and don't you don't fucking talk to anyone and you look at yeah. the ground and all this stuff so maybe like Richard's mother was just as yeah I guess oppressed as he did to Shirley Malone mm. yeah do you know like perpetuating that thing it seems like he's looking to his parents for guidance and, and they're being shit people so yeah he ends up being a shit person and yeah. it's just nature over nurture like people are saying like murderers are psychopaths and it's 2% of the population and it's just nature and I'm like Maybe you just treat a kid shit enough and he'll just do some shitty things, you know? Yeah. Not defending that he killed eight nurses in 66. Uh, but no. at the same time, when you told him, like, you're going to be a fucking deviant, what else do you expect? Yeah. Um, in uh, in 1963, he was caught for forging his co-worker's paycheck for $44, like I said, and he robbed a grocery store of cigarettes, beer, and $3 cash. And for that crime, he was caught by the police and he and he served, uh, he was sentenced to uh, three years of prison, which he served about 16 months of in Texas State Penitentiary. And he was released in 65. And after a week, he attacked a woman in the parking lot of her apartment and was caught almost immediately a couple of blocks away in an attempted kind of stabby, rapey situation. And he didn't get very far and he went, ah, oh, fuck it. But he was hammered and he used to get hammered and commit these crimes. Similar to Ted Bundy used to drink loads mm. and then go out and, and, and commit these crimes or so he said just to make sure <laughs> that he wasn't uh, totally done up he had a bit of insanity <laughs> behind him if he wanted to yeah. play that way and he for that crime he was given another 16 months but he only served 6 months of it because he got out on a technicality because they thought it was a parole violation of his first offence instead of a brand yeah. new offence yeah. so there was like a technicality where he would have been in jail a whole extra year yeah but he got out just mental and in the, in the year that he got out he was freed in July 65 if he was kept in prison for the correct amount of time he wouldn't have been out on the streets to commit the crime of the eight murders hmm. isn't that weird and ironic hmm. it's kind of like a, essentially the double jeopardy he couldn't have committed that uh, murder or crime he was in prison he fucking wasn't in prison no one's keeping an eye on him <laughs> exactly put a bell on him he ah, he was fine <laughs> that old scamp he, he <laughs> ended up on his way he ended up being put out in July 65 now all this kind of happened in, in, in a year's time so it was quite a, an escalation from, you know, petty larceny and forging a few checks into, like, attacks by knife point, rape, yeah, and murder. Like, it was quite a quick escalation. And the 12, or the 16 months, maybe the 24 months, or the two years in prison, probably escalated that mm. attitude towards, like, lack of morals, lack of empathy, disdain for authority but is it, is it a disdain for authority or a lack of morals that makes you go from petty crime to rape and murder well who knows what fucking happened to him in those 24 months and from what we see later on when we talk about the videos of him being actually in jail it kind of looked like he was a bit of a boy toy and in those two years I'd say he got fucking used mm. up survival mode passed kind of around yeah. like a giant yeah so that then normalized rape and sexual abuse and violent rape mm. that he was probably subjected to in those two years. So when he came out, he was just like, right, I'm ready for raping. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. I'm going to pass the shit down like I've always done. So he ended up two years being fucking like at the BC shank up the arse. Yeah. As I was saying, all those, um, on cutting television, but, uh, like sexual abuse is never, a, it's never a sexual act. It's usually just about control. Yes. Mm. So of course, when he's in prison, I'm going to fuck you up the ass, man. I ain't doing it because I'm gay. I just want to see a look on your face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <kid> usually, <laughs> I can just give you that look without your penis in me. Yeah. Is that all right? You tell me the look and I'll give it to you. I ain't gay, son. You don't want to suck a magic. 
Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair point. But that's what, but that's it, what happened. Retrospect probably got passed around, man. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, see later on, like, he was the weakest, and then he's like, I'm going to show people I'm the strongest. Yeah. I'm the best at being a prison bitch. <laughs> like, okay, bro. Whatever works for you. Well, he worked for a meat company driving trucks, and he had a bunch of accidents. He had like six big accidents because he was drunk while operating machinery. Uh, so he was fired, and his mother was really worried about his condition. He started looking real weird. He got real pale, real grey, uh, very skinny, gaunt. His teeth were at him. Like, he was like a junkie looking, fucked up, you know. Mm. So they set him up. Imagine, this lad who was fired, was in jail for a load of stuff, came out, attacked a woman that was on the down low, and then he got fired for being too drunk, driving a truck for a meat company. So what job do you think you'd pick to kind of suit his, I guess, suit his sensibilities? His ma said, I get you a job being an au pair. Yeah. So there was a woman up the road that had three children that needed looking after, and his, his ma went, Yeah, go on up there and, and, and mind the kids. So he was up, mind the kids, drinking himself to death, and he ended up getting separated from his wife, who wanted to go off and marry somebody else. Yeah. And he was like, I'm I'm out of here. Like he after he came out of jail, he didn't go back to the to, to Shirley at all. So Shirley filed for divorce in January 1966 and Richard Speck got fucked off. He was like, right, I'm off my rocker now. This is it. And he went because he had this thing like the Madonna slush complex. Yes. Yes. So he, like, like she was his property and she decided I'm not I'm not going to be married to you anymore. Mm-hmm. She'd fall in love with somebody else. And the fact that she'd fallen in love with somebody else made him go like, oh, no. Yeah. If I can't have you, nobody can. Yeah. You're never a slut. I was thinking, it's only when you actually said it, because I remember reading the whole uh, crash thing and the meat delivery thing. Yeah. It's like, he crashed six times. After two or three, you kind of go, two. It's <laughs> just going to go, we're going to put you in the back in the storeroom. No, no, I'll drive. Dude, get in the back. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Give me the keys. I fucking do it, man. I'm Give me the keys. I bought the thing for the steering wheel with the fur on it, and that's mine, so you're not driving this truck. Huh? Now, Richard, if I give you the keys, are, are you going to crash this one? Don't look. Again, I'm doing the thing. Uh, is this an armchair? <laughs> I'm Mr. I'm Delivery the, Man. I'm not in the truck. I'm, did you? Uh, I did my feet. Like, it's not. Richard, you're in the boot. <laughs> All right. It's not, yeah, yeah. I know I could do it. It's not a thing like that That would be allowed to happen You know, no. like six know. times. <laughs> Six times, man. So uh, Richard went mad about the wife uh, wanting to be married, and he 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 threw a fit. Um, he was then later on he, he went down a rampage, a mini rampage before the big one. He was uh, arrested and charged with aggravated assault for attacking someone with a seventeen-inch knife. How how big does a knife have to be before it becomes a sword? <laughs> I think it's seventeen, not yeah. a sword. <laughs> it's quite big. It's not like a machete. To a hobbit, I'm guessing that's a sword. Yeah. That's yeah. not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. That's and a spoon. He was <laughs> he for, and wait for this for, for robbing three dollars and some cigarettes and beer. He was given uh, three years in prison, sentenced to three years in prison for attacking someone with a seventeen-inch knife in a partial rape situation. He was fined ten dollars. <laughs> it's a slap in the wrist, isn't it? Hey, hey, hey! Put that down. Hey, stop. I'll call your mother. $10. So after the $10 fine, he went, I'm not paying it. And you're like, dude, just pay it. <laughs> you just you actually it. robbed her the $10. Just, just pay it. Just pay the fine. Didn't pay the fine. And he ended up getting lamped. He was detained in prison for three days in Dallas. And the day after he was released, he burgled a grocery store of 70 cartons of cigarettes. Right? 
and he was selling, reselling them out of the boot of his car, and then he was arrested again after his sister bailed him out, and he it, they came and said, "Hey, listen, we have a crime. Uh, you're they said it was somebody with a Texas accent. You're the only one around that has that. So it's, it's you, crime? basically. So he so he uh, he went, yeah, it was me." Well, come here, I'll be back in one second. And he got on a bus <laughs> and went to Chicago. Just back like, in a minute. Me. Back in a second. And just going to the jacks. <laughs> by the bus waving. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like that's He'll be back. Yeah. He's just going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. It's never it's ne- like that. What the fuck, man? So the police and go I mean, obviously we're not talking about the FBI at this stage and the no, mind hunting was just being created. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like there was criminal profiling at the time. But for fuck's sake. It's it's obviously you. This guy, yeah. Don't leave town. This guy. Sure, sure. You, know, you look at him, like, look at this guy. He looks like a crypt keeper. <laughs> like, and he's fucking attacking people with 17-inch knives. Like, it, it sounds like it's one step away from a conversation in the police station of, it was you, wasn't it? No. No, no but it was. <laughs> it was you. No, Dude. it wasn't. But we really think it was you. It wasn't. Everybody Probably. who's committed a rapey crime, please step forward. Whoa, 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 Richard, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So on the 3rd of April, Miss Virgil Harris came home at 1am to find Richard standing in her living room. And this is part of his post-Shirley uh, crime blitz. Right. He had a knife and he proceeded to rape her mm-hmm. while whispering in her ear the whole time in a soft southern drawl. Don't worry your little head about it. Come on now. The whole thing. All the way through. Then he cut up her nighty. Uh, he blindfolded her. Cut up her nighty into like little strips as he would, as was his way as he would normally do, and they tied her hands and feet up. And a week later, a woman called Mary K. Pierce was declared missing and her body was found behind the tavern that she worked in later that day. And she she had got an abdominal blow that had ruptured her liver. The place that she worked, called Frank's Place, was a common drinking hall of Richard Specks and he helped big build the hog house out the back that she was found in. So he knew like the foundations of how it was all built. And he put her underneath it. So obviously he killed her. He had raped uh, Virgil Har- Miss Virgil Harris and tied her up and all. So she was blindfolded, but she recognized him from the, the southern accent. And he's the only boy in Chicago going around the place like with a mad look, like a fucking weird, like skeletal biker dude with a southern accent. So like if you're going around raping people and people are like, yeah, he's wearing leather and he has a southern accent. And he's like a biker. I know the guy. Richard Speck. I know the guy. Yeah, I know him. Accent. He's the only guy around here like that. Do you know? Like, what the fuck is he thinking? Just uh, committing these crimes willy-nilly, lashing his shit out. And uh, he was briefly interviewed by police for that crime, for the, the Mary Kay Pierce uh, 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 murder, because he came back to collect a paycheck from the pub for building the hog house at the back. And the police were in there and he's like, oh, oh, fuck, I should probably should have waited until I got the paycheck before I murdered her and buried her in the <laughs> I just built. Make notes for next time. Wait until I'm paid. Good yeah. so, okay, so what's the crack here, please? Am I just gonna hop on a plane again? Yeah. Alright. So that's what that's all he fucking he had a hotel, like a little hostel, and he had all his stuff in it. And he uh, packed up his bags and he, cl- he claimed he the police came over and they knocked on the door and they were all like Richard, huh? <laughs> Richard, it's the police. And he opened the door and he had a little suitcase, like, yeah, I'm um, I'm actually just going on holidays. <laughs> Can you come back in about twenty minutes? <laughs> I'm going on holidays in 20 minutes. And they went away. And then when they came back, he was fucking Houdini gone. Of course he was. But they found all of the stuff in his uh, in his apartment, like Miss Harris's uh, costume, jewellery, along with loads of other items that were burgled locally from different businesses and shops. So, oh, like, 
They knew who he was. They knew his name. They knew what he looked like. They had him in their sights. And he got away and left a lot of stuff behind, like evidence of loads of crimes. <laughs> and still, they weren't able to say, Richard Speck, yeah, we want him. There's a warrant. We want him. Like a, a nationwide warrant. Like just, at least two states. It, it sounds like it sounds like the killer at the end of every eighties slasher movie. Yeah, they he just falls out the window and he looks dead. <laughs> but you go down to the front door to find a dead body. He's gone. Yeah, the it's most like, resilient humans ever <laughs> were eighties slasher movie villains. Yeah. Um, a couple of months later, after 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 escaping, uh, he in in June nineteen sixty six, uh, Richard returned to stay with his sister Martha in Chicago. So he fucked off like for a couple of months. Out of Chicago because it was lads looking for him. And then he moved back to as, Chicago. As you do. <laughs> after fucking committing two murders. So uh, they, they, he said, sorry, I had to flee because there was some gangsters and they were on me and they were forcing me to sell drugs for a gang. Okay. Martha was like, okay, Richard. So Martha's husband, Gene, who used to be a merchant marine, said you should look for work in the merchant marines and got him a job on the Clarence B. Randall, a ship. But he got appendicitis two days into the journey and he had to be helicoptered out to have an operation on his appendix. And then a month later, he went back out to join the crew again. But he was getting drunk all the time. He was fighting with all the crew. He was leaving his shit everywhere. And he even took out his dick a lot of times and waved at the captain. It was all like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Did he? Like, but he, he fell overboard. He fell overboard a couple it's of like, times. Yeah. Richard, why are you doing something? <laughs> get, get the raft. Get the raft. I was thinking, I was a bit warm. And I just went in a swim. No, you fell off, didn't you? Yeah, who was on Richard Watch this I'm time? I'm so sorry. sorry. <laughs> but imagine taking your dick out at the captain, being like, "Fuck you!" Hel- Salute the captain. Helicopter uh, in your Mickey at the captain, going like, "Wash the deck, wash this deck." Wash I, can't, this. I can't get afraid to Hollyhead without doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me the captain in lieu of a ticket. Uh, on another job as a seaman on the SS Flying Spray, he was picked at the post for a position. Seaman and spray. He, uh, sorry, oh, sorry. We're back to Uranus. Uh, he, he was picked at the post by, by someone a little bit more senior and it was like a, tum- a tumble down of disappointments for Richard mm. Beck at this point that, that basically uh, corralled him into committing more r- uh, rapey crimes. He wasn't happy. He went into a drinking spiral and after picking himself up a week later, he tried on another vessel, the SS Sinclair Great Lakes and the same thing happened and now he was out of money in a strange town being minded by his sister kind of on the run for like a rape and a murder in the town that he committed them in and he had no place to stay and he was kind of a bit homeless so he argued with Martha and Jean who tried to help him but he went into another drinking spiral and at the end of the week he was out attacking again and Martha and Jean couldn't do nothing for him he wouldn't stay in the house it was just a fucking troubled youth you know this is uh, we at the time where the, I think the, the sisters just didn't write look you have no job here's $25 try and you know do something and the first thing he thought was I'm going to drink it mm. yeah it's like that's exactly Dude, what happened. He went drinking. Suit. He went drinking, and he ended up attacking a woman called Ellie May Hooper, a fifty-three-year-old woman. She was abducted by a drunken speck and taken to a nearby shipyard room and raped brutally. So he tied her up, did the same thing, blindfolded her, did the whole shebang, and he robbed her twenty-two pi- uh, her twenty-two pistol. And later that night, he came back to the pub from which he met her. Uh, and he was drinking in the pub and apparently he was telling people what he had done yeah he was bragging about it bragging I'm after doing that and I, you know she's up in the thing and he had her like tied up in the fucking room above like mental it's not mental for a man who's like running away the whole time he's mm. dying to get caught but there's a okay, I know I remember reading back earlier in the story he was telling his wife he was saying I'm gonna be in the headlines of newspapers and all yeah, that yeah I'm, I'm gonna make headlines so, yeah. 
I don't know if it, did he reach a kind of a point where he was saying, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to figure out the cure for any kind of disease. I'm not going to be that kind of famous. I'm going to be a murderer and a rapist and just going to be infamous. And this is before like mass murderers and rapists got mm. famous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is pre-Manson, which is pretty much like the first American yeah. public mass murder. Do you know? Very, very weird fucking mindset, you know? So he <laughs> he was drinking in the bar all night and he went down dressed all in black and started bragging while your mom was tied up in the room. Like, that's a man who wants to be caught. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? He definitely yeah. wants to. Be, but there was something there, like, and similar to Charlie Manson per, uh, perpetrating all these little petty crimes, he was probably institutionalized. He's probably like, oh yeah, there's a bit of order in prison. You have to do what you do, and mm. there's a little bit of wheeling and dealing and whatever. But like, if lights out, wake up, meal times, like even the slightest bit of routine is better than a fucking life of mad madness. Yeah. Oh, instead of bragging, was he going out like, like you know, telling these wild stories that nobody would actually believe, trying to confess, what thinking that people wouldn't believe him? That's what he he said. Do you know what I just did tonight? I, I kidnapped one brother upstairs and raped shit over but also telling mad shit from years before as yeah. well as far as the documentary says anyway yeah like, so it, like you'd it, want to know like if there was a lad in there doing that there was there was a witness of somebody in that documentary there was a witness who said I remember him saying that shit to me and I was like no nah, I can't believe it yeah and in hindsight you're like oh definitely that was him yeah do you know as soon as the, they heard the particulars of the crime they were like that's oh, definitely okay. that good. yeah but if you, if, you, if you were drinking in a bar and, and the local drunk waddled up and took a stool beside you and said, you know what I just did? Yeah. I just killed two people that are upstairs. You're like, all right, Paddy, have another whiskey. Yes. Yeah. All right, I'm going to call you know what I mean? so, so you've confessed without actually confessing. He, it, has, the, he has the piss head defense. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, the next day after this whole kind of, I, I lost the job, I lost the job, I lost the job. I attacked and raped a woman. Okay, this is it. I'm on it. She, he has a 22 pistol, a knife. He's dressed all in black. And the next day, on the 13th of July, 1966, Speck broke into a townhouse in Chicago, 2319 East 100th Street, which was a dormitory for student nurses. And here's where he made his mark. Mm-hmm. This is the thing he is famous for. Eight women uh, were, were killed. Uh, he had a gun and a knife, and he killed eight nurses. Gloria Davy, Patricia Matusek, Nina Jo Schmale, Pamela Wilkening, Suzanne Farris, Marianne Jordan, uh, Merlita Gargulo, and Valentina Passion. I hope I pronounced them all correctly. Mm-hmm. Lord of mercy. Uh, some say that may have been a burglary gone wrong. I don't think so. I think he fucking, he was up for the raping. And this was his like, piece de resistance. Well, he, he's, he said himself, I don't know if this is jumping ahead again, but he said himself that, um, you know, the, the, the first one happened because it happened, but everything else after that happened because you needed to get rid of witnesses. Yeah. You know? he didn't have, he's like, I'm going to make sure you don't tell nobody yeah. by raping you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, mm. but then he was he was triggered again. But he was interviewed. I can't, and I'm getting confused between the documentary and the mind hunter thing. But when somebody said, "Well, how come they weren't all raped? Because you not raped them all in one night?" Yeah, he, he felt. Like, yeah, he felt. You know, he felt. Oh, well, of course I did. Yeah, and that was the story he told for a long time. Yeah, but he did. He did have them there for a long time. Five hours. Yeah. Five hours. Controlling what, eight women for like. That many time and uh, I find it hard enough to draw one. He should be commended. But uh, you kind of wonder. This show when is he... sponsored by Toxic Masculinity. <laughs> oh, I was on cut feed, <laughs> but uh, you don't wonder when he took one away. Did the rest kind of try and help each other, try to untie <laughs> each other, and <laughs> just they were all tied up and gagged, man. Just and also a fear of their life, I guess. Yeah. And when he came in first, 
I mean, there was eight of them there. I suppose, yeah, for your gun and To be honest, you're, like, you're no, he, he, there wasn't eight of them all there in the same place. There were, he went around from bed to bed and, like, did this mm. kind of whole, like... There wasn't the two or three of them that showed up later on. Exactly, because yeah. they were coming home from a night out drinking. And uh, he was like, hey, does this cloth smell like chloroform to you? Kind of thing. <laughs> um, Classic spec. Yeah, but he ran around the house like it was fucking Pat, Pat Sharp's fun house. Like, it was like... <laughs> this is what I don't get. It's it was a like, whole lot of fun. Raping up the bump. Use your body and your brain if you don't want to get arrested again. Fun house. Like, that's the shit that happened. He he, he went... He brought one girl down to the sofa. He, he raped another one in the bedroom with the rest of them. Like, it, I think he got out of control. But yeah, and, but yet seemed to be in full control of the situation. This is it. It's the charm. So, mm. they say it was a burglar gone wrong. But but the surviving witness, uh, Carason Amarao, uh, says who is a, a Filipino nurse says mm-hmm. he sat in the middle of the floor with all of us around him talking like they were all friends with a twenty two on them all yeah. obviously. He gathered all the women together in the big bedroom after kidnapping them kind of from their areas one by one, tied them up, gagged them, and then he took them out of the room one by one, real friendly like, mm. and raped them or, or strangled them or cut their throats. Like, you can only imagine when the one girl goes missing out of the room and then he comes back and she doesn't come back and he's kind of covered in blood. You're like, oh, fuck. You're next. That's it, like. So he used his charm. He said he put them at ease and there was a quote that said, if you all don't make a fuss, neither will I. That's that's actually more frightening than it is. I was going to say, if you say that in in a a slow Texan drawl, that's a a scary thing to hear. Here you go. Y'all don't make a fuss, neither will I. Like, that's, oh. that, that's like something in a Coen Brothers movie that somebody said that, you know what I mean? Yeah, isn't it? Uh, so he bound and gagged them all. He had torn bed sheets and he, and he cut them up like he did with uh, 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 Virgil's nighty. Mm-hmm. Cut them up, tied them up. And then when Amarau, who was hiding under the bed for hours, finally emerged from her hiding place around 6 a.m., uh, several hours after Speck had fled, he was he was gone about half three or four o'clock in the morning. But she stayed hidden just because. Uh, Amarillo found Suzanne Farris, twenty one, dead in the hallway by the upstairs bathroom from stab wounds to the chest and chin. Uh, she learned later that Farris and two other student nurses, Gloria Jean Davy and Marianne Jordan, had returned to the townhouse in the midst of the killing spree and met the same fate as their housemates. So they weren't tied up. So he wasn't keeping eight women tied up. He was only keeping like three or four. Mm. Then the other three came in and he was like, okay, you know, bonus round. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. And he started stabbing them all up. And they were out in the outside house. They weren't in the bedroom. Um, she found uh, Matusek, Jordan and Wilkening in the east bedroom where he'd taken them one by one. Matusek and Wilkening had been strangled to death and Wilkening, who was sprawled out on the bed, had also been stabbed. Jordan was stabbed in the chest, neck and left eye. And then Amarau found the bodies of Schmale, Passion and Gargulo in the west bedroom where there was also knife wounds in Neko Shamale, who had been gagged with a strip of torn bedsheet and strangled. Uh, Passion had also been strangled and Gargulo's throat was slashed. So th- there's no talk. Like, I couldn't find which one was raped and which one wasn't mm-hmm. raped. Because I think that still is spurious. Mm. You can't really, you know, uh, find out. Um, but there was one that was definitely raped. So downstairs, uh, Davy's body uh, was naked on the sofa and she had been strangled and uh, raped for a, a, a continuous amount of time. She was the last one, wasn't she? The last one to be brought yeah. down, yeah. And he brought her down onto the sofa and kept her alive until he was finished. And then, so there was like sperm samples taken from the crime scene, but they were only from 
one or two places so he didn't rape everybody and maybe that was like the thing of like oh you know you'd questioning his mm. masculinity yeah. his testosterone ability or whatever I mean it's so, it's not something you should be proud of it's like no. did you not rape all of them yeah I did uh, she was another she was a girl from another school you wouldn't know her like it was that kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know it's, it's what, a, what a thing to like nobody argue. you know yeah it's nobody you know you don't know them yeah you never had oh. sex I did but you just did, they didn't want to originally <laughs> yeah. when we started so I forced upon them but I strangled them into it no. um, so yeah like I mean they're kind of the writings on the wall from at this point like he's 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 caught bang to rights and uh, Amarau, who she actually didn't live at the house so maybe the speculation was there that he had cased the place and he knew that there was three or four nurses when the other three came in it was a bit of a surprise mm. and Amarau was also a guest who hid under the bed so Maybe he went in there and he's counted like, yeah, it's a house for four. I, I can handle four. And then there was eight. And he's like, fuck, stab, stab, stab. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that happened. That it was, a bit, it, it just got, a, it just kind of steamrolled out of control. Of yeah. Zombie. So Amarau's testimony was integral to spec being convicted of his crime. And his semen was found at the scene with Davies. And like, it was a typical motivation for him, like a strangle and a rape, uh, you know, and a, and a cup of tea before bed. Uh, and with his previous convictions, spec was fucking... He was straight up done. It was the wet bandits type situation yeah. where we, <laughs> thanks. Now we know all the other uh, crimes you committed. He's like, fuck. Do you know? That's what I'm saying. Keep your sperm to yourself. Yes. They'll find it everywhere. Everywhere. Every, it's, it is everywhere. Don't, Don't turn like on the black light uh, in anywhere in this house. <laughs> or to be honest, in any man's house. Any yeah, man's yeah, house. Yeah, just, just turn the lights off. Yeah. Or in his car. <laughs> or in his <laughs> you can't get bed station in the car hypothetically <laughs> <regal>. hypothetically <laughs> uh, she had hid under the bed Amaral had hid under the bed for the entire night waiting for this whole thing imagine the fucking trauma yeah. of getting under the bed at 12 o'clock and not getting out until morning <laughs> and listening to your friends being strangled and raped uh, to death so the reason she came out from under the bed was she heard the other nurses morning alarms going off so one went off at 5am because they were getting up to go to work the next yeah. day and she's like, ah, thought the alarm might bring Speck back to the house. When there was not a movement, half an hour later, another alarm went off. She knew that was half five. And she's like, right. She slipped out. She tried to untie herself uh, uh, from the from the, the, the bonds mm -hmm. that he, he had put her in. But then she like did a MacGyver roll under the bed and he forgot. He miscounted how many women were there. So between five and half five, she undid all her, her binding. And when half five rang, she's like, okay, there must be somebody outside now awake. It's awake time now. If I start screaming before that, he might come back. Open up the window, start screaming outside. Help, help, help. This is what after happening. And, you know, police were called and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. But, like, can you imagine her under the bed like that all night? Oh, just listening to your fucking mates getting strangled and, and raped and killed. And just not making a sound. Yeah. Just don't. be hard don't enough breathe. for me not to make. She's lying under the bed and you're just like, which one of y'all is going to be next? Oh, <laughs> what was that? Oh shit! Busted. Fuck! 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 Lunsford recognised the drawing of Speck from a police notice in the local paper and after finding him in his room Lunsford came home to his room and Speck was standing in the fucking room and he's like oh it's your man off the paper and also you have an erection and a knife 
dead giveaway. <laughs> dead You're giveaway. a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. the, police, the police didn't come to Lunford's uh, uh, apartment, though, because they maybe they were prejudiced against somebody who was uh, like a quote-unquote drifter. And uh, Speck knew that the jig was up, so yeah. he allegedly attempted suicide. So he drank a bottle of liquor, smashed a broken bottle, and started carving up his arms to to to, to, to as a like a, an attempted at suicide. And he was sent to hospital for these injuries before he died. And then the attending physician, Doctor Leroy Smith, saw this born to raise hell tattoo and recognized that from the report that Amarau gave. And he knew that this was the murder of the eight women, and he reported it to the authorities. And Richard Speck was lamped. So if he didn't try, if he didn't try and kill himself, he'd still be alive. Mad. I think that's everything about suicide, but with this one particularly. (laughs) (laughs) When you put it like that, yeah, it's like "Mm." it's a vicious circle as well. If you didn't try to kill suicide, you'd still be alive, but you'd be dead if you committed suicide. But he'd already be dead because he had a congenital heart disease, heart defect that would have had him dead around fifty because of his death. So I mean. He could have died a free man, hmm. but at the same time, probably not, because he was like a devil for the he's crime a, and the rest. He was definitely leading himself down a path of wanting to get caught. But sure, he was doing it every second night. He was yeah. fucking yeah. raping people. All. And if you got away with those eight, chances are escalation was trying. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna rape an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, I'm gonna rape twelve. Uh, you know, if he, I think if you can <laughs> rape, if you can rape an elephant, it's an impressive enough task. He should just be left alone to do it. Yeah, I'm gonna rape and strangle an elephant. If you can get <laughs> up that high, if that, that, if that elephant can notice you're raping it, yeah, <laughs> just looking behind, going, yeah. <laughs> like now I'm gonna strangle you, big boy. Get off me, you fucking idiot. Just like re- reaching behind you, and you're like, oh, daddy, I'm gonna get a reach around. <laughs> that's like, someone no, reach around. That's not what's happening. <laughs> so. Due to these, like he was arrested, he was put on trial, and due to relatively recent uh, uh, legal revelations, that's hard to say, uh, called the Miranda case. So you might, you guys might have heard of your Miranda rights. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney, if you can't afford one, will be provided for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you have the right to party. Uh, You got to fight for that right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, so in in uh, uh, 1966, uh, Speck wasn't questioned around the items for which he was arrested for three weeks. So he's arrested, told we suspect you of murder, but we're not asking you any questions because the Miranda case, because the, he wasn't told about uh, you know certain certain rights around yeah. their arrest, that Miranda got off. So now they made this thing where the police now have to say, as they're arresting you, they have to. Uh, uh, are you aware of all these rights? Of, as I've explained it, to you? and you have to be like, yes, officer. So he's like, well, all right then, <laughs> like do whatever. So uh, theoretically, you could just you could just be you know say no. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. He has to keep explaining it. I don't understand. They just they, if I can't afford one, and then they'll start like <laughs> you know like when your man's giving out to you for doing something wrong, and yeah. with every syllable you get a lash of a baton. So <laughs> you have that right to remain silent if you give up that. And you're like, oh, oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, they they made sure that Speck didn't get away with this uh, uh, crime, and definitely didn't get away with a plea of insanity because he wanted to be like, yeah, yeah, I was crazy and I was in a trance and stuff. So what they did was they employed five psychiatrists and one general surgeon to assist in the analysis of the evidence for the crime, which was unprecedented. Yeah, unprecedented. So not only did they not fuck up Miranda, which was mere months beforehand, so they're only reading it right to criminals since nineteen sixty six because of that and I'm going to do a little video about Miranda rights because it's super important and it's super important not to talk to cops 
in America at least. Just shut up and say nothing. But fuck me, man. I watched that documentary 13th and a bunch of others about yeah. like prison and mm-hmm. about, you know, the prison system, about the legal system. Like if you say anything to a cop, it can and will be used against you in yeah. a court of law. And that's the that's why they fucking say that shit to you when they're arresting you. <laughs> Hi, officer. What did you say? You're what? Hi, officer. You're high? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but it's even like, uh, you know, uh, 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 hey, what are you doing? Uh, I, I, I didn't do nothing. And you're like, that's a double negative. Yeah. Bake them away, toys. Like, <laughs> that's the... You know, if you yeah. say like, oh yeah, you, I, I'm arresting you suspicion of committing this crime. I couldn't have done that because I was at this place at seven o'clock. And if later on they find out that you weren't at that place at seven o'clock, you've already implicated yourself yeah. in the crime. Yeah. So it's like, it's mad. And all it takes is for that, that reason without, to, to, to get rid of it for the jury. And they're like, no, yeah, so he probably did it. Yeah. And you're fucked. And you're in jail for like 30 years for no reason. Say nothing. <sighs> Shut up. Wait for your lawyer. That's it. Like there was a, there was a, Claire was, uh, she listens to Super Soul Sunday, Oprah's podcast, which is excellent by the way. And she was talking about this guy that got uh, arrested for a crime. He was at a party with 30 people 11 miles away from where the crime commit- was committed. And he got arrested and done for the crime and spent 30 years in jail, most of which on death row for this crime that he absolutely didn't commit. And they said to him, using the Alfred plea, which we've talked about a bunch of times, like in the West Memphis 3 case or in the Stephen Avery mm-hmm. case, which basically indemnifies the the state against like recrimination or retaliation legally yeah. from you for false incarceration. So you basically go, okay, listen, w- w- say you're guilty. We get let off with the responsibility of it. You get to leave with time served and everybody goes home happy. And then this guy's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying I'm guilty because I'm not fucking guilty. Yeah. And he ended up going appeals, 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 appeals. And he was on death row and he finally got out a few years ago, but he spent 30 years in jail. The same with Khalif Browder. Khalif Browder was arrested. If you watch that documentary, uh, uh, Time the Khalif Browder story on Netflix. It's a young man that got arrested for a crime he didn't commit, and they said to them the same, We let you go if you say yeah. He's mm. like, I'm not fucking guilty, and I'm not staying in jail for 12 years. Yeah. No fucking way. And they ended up staying in jail for, I think it was three years, but he was like a 19 year old kid. Mm. And then he came out and he was abused, like harassed by the police, so much so that he killed himself at 22 years of age Fuck because no. he couldn't go outside without being fucking harassed by the cops. Like, because they had, he had made a show of them by not playing into their legal game. So you're like, fucking hell, this is the start of it. This is the start of the, mm. th- those recriminations, those standards are set in policing in 1966 with that Miranda case. So it's a very important mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of legal event. So he was, Speck was like uh, given this team of psychiatrists and um, general surgeon who, who was able to a- a- assess the bodies and the damage and stuff to show that like it wasn't a crime of passion, like it wasn't just stabbing wildly, it was actually like cool and calculated like cuts across the throat or stabbings to, to, to certain organs, it wasn't like a wild yeah. frenzy which, w- which would indicate like some kind of insanity. He was awaiting trial and he was compelled to attend therapy with a Dr. Marvin Zipperin who we saw on that documentary mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who diagnosed the family life as deep guilt and depression uh, and the causes of his misadventures was basically having a shitty family and he was in a bad way not insane yeah right? uh, so he assessed that the obsessive compulsive personality and the Madonna slut complex were in spec from a very young age and these were all elements leading towards the uh, eventual execution of his crimes and he also diagnosed uh, a thing called organic brain syndrome from earlier trauma in his mental state now this term is widely disregarded as lazy medicine okay and i mean (laughs) 
organic brain syndrome. It's like if you if you act a certain way, it's because you got some brain damage at one point. So you're like, if you're angry, it means you got a bump on the head when you're a kid, and then that bump turned into a bruise, and then the bruise turned into a murder. Holy shit! So, <laughs> like that's a bit mental, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. So it's lazy medicine, but it could be this uh, uh, organic brain syndrome could be a result of long-term alcohol abuse from a very young age and it impaired his growth and development and possibly left him a little bit like mentally deficient enough to self-judge into like doing sexual crimes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it could be like a, a an element to it but not like organic brain syndrome. It's like, yeah, you got a bump and now you're crazy. You're saying it's like slight brain damage but not insanity? Yeah. It's, it's like something I come up with if I was trying to convince somebody I was a scientist. <laughs> yeah, I'm studying organic brain syndrome. Where were you? <laughs> that's like that's your words that on sounds, the dartboard. That's like, medical. Organic, that's good. Brain's always good, and yeah, perfect. That's syndrome. me. Syndrome, syndrome, always a scary word. One hundred and eighty. <laughs> yeah, syndrome. You put syndrome at the end of anything, yeah. and it sounds official. Does you know, like uh, pencil syndrome. It's like what's pencil syndrome? It's when your dick doesn't grow properly, yeah. and it's not the right. Wit, so it's only as thin as a pencil. Pencil syndrome. I have that. I'm go- I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, la- later on, uh, these these organic brain syndromes can turn into uh, dementia. Okay. So it's just brain deterioration. But to put that on spec and say that's the reason for it, probably a little bit like reductive, a little bit juvenile. Uh, Zipperin was on the ball with the story though, and the uh, the, I guess. What would you call it? Like the harrowing young life tale of Richard mm-hmm. Speck was begging for a book to be written. Yeah. Mm. And Marvin Zipperin was the man to write it. So he started writing a book immediately after uh, uh, receiving Richard for treatment. <laughs> so he was like, he was oh like God, that's so horrible, but so I'm going to make so much money so from much. this. He was, like, so he was like, tell me, Richard Speck, um, uh, you murdered eight women. Can you tell me, uh, can you tell me why? Well, when I was very young oh that's a great start <laughs> keep going go on and he's like right as he's talking to turn his notes and things so uh, the testimony from this therapy session that was done through the prison system supposedly to to, to get him into like confessing yeah. or at least making his prison stay a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. for the rest of the inmates like you're not putting someone who's just going to stab everyone every day into yeah. like general population yeah, yeah. or whatever so Zipperin's testimony wasn't allowed into the the case shocker so it's it, like they're losing evidence all over the place so uh it was because it was a con- conflict of interest really. yeah so speck claims that he doesn't remember doing the crimes at all but under sedation when he was admitted to hospital for the arm injuries he confessed everything to dr leroy smith hmm. and leroy smith was taken in as a witness and said i heard him say all that stuff now it's not gospel but it's adding to the case at least it's not fucking you know, being turned into a book and then not admissible as evidence. <laughs> so uh, they they couldn't uh, admit it as official evidence in court, but they did need Leroy's testimony as they had uh, Miss Amarau to to identify him. So with all of these bits and pieces put together, yeah, they had an eyewitness. They had some kind of spurious evidence from a therapy session and from a, a sedated bedside <laughs> confession in an mm-hmm. emergency room. So when Coruscant Amarau was asked in court. Mm-hmm. Can you identify the man that committed these crimes? She proudly got up out of the stand and walked around the thing and went right up to the desk and pointed her right in his face and went, this motherfucker. <laughs> Can you imagine if she pointed to the lawyer, this man? It's like, 
I'm the fucking lawyer. <laughs> I am so sorry my glasses are under this motherfucker. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say he's actually him. I'm so sorry. But yeah, like, like right up in his fucking face. Like, that's brave, man. And she, the, the whole case hinged on her testimony and she was the crux of that whole thing. Mm. So she got him put away. Yeah. Uh, so in, la- in later videos, you see Speck in jail and, and he confessed on camera to the crimes. We talked mm-hmm. about those videos in a sec. But... Uh, it, not in great detail but he goes yeah I killed all of them mm-hmm. and then when the, the the journalist who was making those videos asked why did you do it he just said it just wasn't there night and he says that in Mindhunter yeah well. he does it's, it's, and it's a very chilling line because yeah. you know it, it just means that you know people didn't mean anything to him yeah and he said as well in that same interview uh, that was called on video that he didn't feel that he's like yeah. what did it feel like to do that didn't feel like anything yeah and that's like psychopathy like that's I didn't so feel emotional. sorry. I didn't feel emotion. It just you yeah. know wasn't there night. Madness. Scary. Imagine somebody standing in front of you with a knife and a, a big erection, going, "This is not your night." <laughs> it's like, oh god, shite. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, shouldn't have stopped for directions here, should I? <laughs> You'd fight though. You would fight for it. You would absolutely. You would fight for it. So uh, very very quickly, just to finish up, two little weird things mm-hmm. that I, I felt needed to be mentioned in the case of Richard Speck because that's the story but Speck was allegedly diagnosed with XYY syndrome which is common in uh, develop- developmentally disabled people so the same organic brain disorder okay. or syndrome uh, so according to a British cytogenicist Patricia Jacobs men with XYY syndrome are more prone to violence and aggression and this was done in 1966. It was entered into the trial as a kind of a way to excuse Speck's behavior. Okay. But it was dismissed by the medical panel as poppycock, medical <laughs> poppycock. In May 1969, then, the uh, uh, American Psychological Association showed that XYY behavior abnormalities were unfairly stigmatized and based on unsupported speculation. So if indeed he did have a chromosomal abnormality, that wasn't the reason for aggression. That's like saying people with Down syndrome are potential like crazy murderers yeah. or yeah. whatever. So it didn't want to stigmatize anyone that had any of these chromosomal abnormalities. And a, a second thing, in videos mentioned earlier, we see Speck sitting next to a black guy with sunglasses, acting like a hard man. Mm-hmm. He had a haircut that looked like Veronica Gear, and there was like <laughs> there was uh, cocaine being passed around. There was a Chicago TV news anchor, Bill Curtis. Uh, in the Stateville Correctional Center in 1988, which is when that interview happened. Uh, for the first time, it showed the inside of this prison system with sex, drugs, and money being passed around between the different prisoners. And Speck was in the middle of performing oral sex on some guy in the video. And it was shown to uh, a parole board in 1989. <laughs> and, it, and it showed all the way up to that. And it was like, Richard Speck. <laughs> oh, pause it. Stop, 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 stop. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, oh. Yeah. What Careful, so, uh, they, yeah, they were, they were bumping up big fat rails of cocaine and it seemed that Richard had maybe undergone some hormone therapy because yeah. he took off his top and took off his pants at the behest of this black dude. He's like, show us your silk panties. And he took off his pants and took off his top and he had a big old pair of titties. Yeah. yeah. A big old it pair is. of tits. Big old meatloaf and fight club bitch tits. Big bitch tits. And uh, they called him like the Queen Bee and t- presumably he was... Like, popular popular yeah. yeah he was like one of the sisters in oz or something he was just he was he was able for it yeah and apparently these hormone tablets that he was taking were being smuggled into the prison and given to willing participants uh of 
I guess uh, uh, the, the 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 female role in a sexual prison relationship. Yeah, and they I were like, take these hormones so you can grow some tits, so have something to hang out of. Yeah. I don't think it's too willing. I'm guessing it's, we're gonna play mommies and daddies, and you're the mommy. Okay, <laughs> now make some titties. Yeah, titties, titties, titties. That's what. That's what. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it a rival. That, it seemed in this interview that he was totally happy with that. Par- mm. That those parameters of a relationship he was like yeah I'm having a good time he said I was a willing participant he was asked about sex with inmates and quote he said he, he uh, if they only knew how much fun I was having they'd turn me loose that's what he said about getting fucked up the bum by a lot of people in jail and being made to grow tits against his will <laughs> yeah. but I'm kind of saying kind of thinking if he says anything contradictory to that beside his male counterpart says I'm freaking out here please help me I don't want to be raped by this guy again it's kind of like you say it to the camera. Yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you tonight. Yeah, basically. So he's like, I'm loving it here. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. But also, the cocaine probably helps. Yeah. I feel nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in there lies the truth. When you feel nothing, mm-hmm. everything you say maybe can't be taken as, yeah. taken as evidence. He also said in that interview, and this is a weird one. He uh, he was asked about strangling people, and he said it's not like it is on TV. It takes three full minutes, and you have to have a lot of strength. So you can only imagine. Like I've never seen anyone being strangled in real life. Uh, well, not seen it. No, I've done it twice. Yeah, I've never. But I just closed my eyes when I was doing it. Wow, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, three minutes is a long. Time. Three minutes is a long time, especially when you're like three minutes is a long time when you're doing anything you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. That's, get that on some cross stitch, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. But it is, though. Yeah. 180 seconds of regret. <laughs> I love it. So, Speck was given his death penalty uh, sentence, but while waiting for his execution, the Supreme Court deemed it unconstitutional after 250 jurors in Illinois were excluded from his jury because of their religious or contentious beliefs around capital punishment. Can you imagine that? They'd, they'd spoiled the jury so badly that they couldn't. Couldn't, Could, try him. couldn't convict him on a death sentence, right? So, Please. the 21st of November 1972, Speck was sentenced to 400 to 1,200 years in prison and he was denied parole seven times and no parole hearing in the 20-odd years he was in jail lasted more than seven minutes. Yeah. So seven oh, minutes is a long time. Like seven minutes is a long time. <laughs> How are you getting on? Good, good. Uh, this probably is just it's paperwork. You're not being freed. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. We're just going to listen to uh, Dark Side of the Moon from start to finish <laughs> and then you can leave. We listened to that last night Bohemian Rhapsody's going, yeah, going on the next yeah. one. We're going to listen to uh, the full version with the solo of Free Bird by Leonard Skinner <laughs> and then you can just fuck off bitch tits. So Speck died of a suspected heart attack the day okay. before his 50th birthday. Uh, he was age 49. He looked a lot and older than 49 in man, that video. He was worn out like an old sock. <laughs> of course he was. Do you know what I mean? Fucked boss. Yeah, fucked. He, he his brain was examined to try and prove all this X Y Y stuff, and they speculate that the hippocampus, which is the the memory centers, and the uh, amygdala, which uh-huh. is the rage center, were messed up with one another, and he was getting like uh, old memories were triggering the amygdala, and and he, you know he was thinking back to when his fucking stepdad was doing shit to him. And he's like, mm-hmm. bah, 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 like. Of course, yeah. If you think of shit memories and they make you angry, you're going to get angry. It's not a, it's not a, it's not brain surgery, but this was brain surgery, and the brain samples were sent to Boston for further study, but they were lost 
are stolen. Holy they shit, don't know where, balls. Where, where Richard Speck's brain went. And now the podcast starts at this conspiracy. <laughs> 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 this time, I thought this was good. No. Uh, scientists who examined the images of, of his brain scans, however, concluded it would be a historical abnormality and they prefer to put the violent and sexual deep behavior down to the abuse at a young age from his stepfather instead of some once in a majillion chance that the hippocampus and the amygdala were malfunctioning in one dude's brain once that made him kill a bunch of people it's like yeah it's probably the thing that's been happening to thousands of people mm. for hundreds mm. of years where sexual abuse as a young child yeah. makes you do some shit when you're older yeah makes you upset and if, however you deal with that shit, you could make it go outwards or inwards. It depends. Yeah. Um, Speck was cremated after his death uh, at, at 49. And only two people know where his ashes were scattered in the whole white world. And interestingly, it's the same two people that have the recipe for Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> They're not allowed flying the same plane. I love it. <laughs> not name his 370, yeah. With all the lads who know how to cure AIDS. Yeah. It's bananas. It's a fucking bananas case. And his life is so sad. And almost evidence like that he was going to do something fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's not excusable what he did, but it, you kind of do feel for him that it, it was nearly, not nearly. I think it was completely out of his control. I think if he if he could have made the conscious decision not to do half the shit he did, never mind the murders and the rapes, like even the petty crime, or or, well, or, or the drinking and 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 like an addiction, like he couldn't stop doing it. The minute he got out of jail, he was back doing the shit yeah. again the next day. And when he was getting away with it with his, his ma bailing him out and his family health he was just yeah. like, I'm, I get, I'm getting away with it. I'm, I'm, I'm still alive. Do you alive. think, do you think that's drunk. similar to um, people who are like getting in trouble for, for when they're taking heroin and doing the crime that is, is associated with heroin addiction and stuff? If you have a super supportive family network, like you'll just milk them for everything until you hit rock bottom. That's what they talk about, rock bottom, that you need to have that and figure out, oh, there's, there's nowhere else left to go. I have to just smarten up because there's always that hope that like, that hand into the deep water that'll yeah. pull you out. Yeah. Every time you're getting too much shit, you have someone to mind you. Yeah. I think if so, that yeah. someone goes away. I think it, I think it should be better, like that. It's a better impetus to smarten up. Mm. Right? I think it's it's because it'll be the say the life or death you if if you everyone turns their back and you go, No, we've helped you out. Well you always have me out. Yeah, that's it. You're on your own. And if you do hit that rock bottom, it's it's your true self that will either climb out and find the light or who just turns over like, I'm just gonna die. Mm. Yeah. Of course, the, and if thing, you yeah. if you have that last piece of hope that you know you, you're 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 that desperate in, in in a hole, and there's always somebody there to to, to bail you out, if that person has enough, and it stops bailing you out, then it could be see you know you might see it as another rejection, another you know the world doesn't want me. Yeah, it'll compound you know? it. Yeah, and you just internalize or externalize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't do an off defense on the true crime because there's not really a whole lot to to get off defense about. It's yeah. just a bunch of facts about like killing someone. But if you were to have some final thoughts about Richard Speck. Uh, after everything you learned, what 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 would it be? I think it's more just the difference between, like your Dharmas and your Bundys, and this, where this guy, I suppose, had the chance of if if his dad was the guy who bring him up, yeah. it could have been hugely mm. different. Circumstances make a circumstances. Man. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I should crack. I, like I say, I, I just I just kind of felt sorry for the man, especially having seen that like what happened to him after he spent so many years in prison. Like, it's mentioned in the documentary that maybe he'd found a way to punish himself for the crimes he committed. You know, completely emasculated himself. He'd made himself a woman that was being used by men for nothing more than sexual purposes. And he made it seem to the the journalist, like, I'm having a great time. If yeah. you know how much of a time, good time I was having, it's, you know, they, they'd let me out of here. Yeah. 
when really, in fact, he was getting fucking bummed up the yeah. hole and being turned into a woman and being debased. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no way he wasn't miserable in every way. Yeah. Do you think that whole thing, like, reaching out to commit crimes so that he would be punished was uh, kind of a, a self-destruction thing? Yeah, a cry yeah. for help kind of thing. Yeah. I think so. I he, think he had he had comfort in institutionalized situations. Yeah, similar to Charlie Manson, he 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 loved being in jail more than he loved being out of jail because everything was predictable. Yeah, I suppose yeah, there's a safety in that kind of chaotic world where we kind of go fuck. I'd hate to be in prison, but if you know when you're getting up, when you're getting fed, that you, there is you can a make toilet. those decisions for yourself though. But some yeah. people can't, so they need that extra structure. And I know prison is probably not the best place to go. And I think there's a lot of drug related crimes and people who are addicted that are being treated like criminals rather than patients. And if you're taking someone who's addicted to a substance and, cre- and creating crime around them because of the need and dependency and addiction to that substance, mm-hmm. you should maybe focus on them getting better and trying yeah. to figure out why they're taking the substance and then you'll stop the crime rather than locking them up with a load of lads who are doing that shit anyway, yeah. teach them how to do better crime and then when you release them, they're straight back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like how many fucking prisoners are released who are heroin addicts who go to jail for two or three or four years for a crime they committed to feed their habit and the minute they get out they go straight back to the amount that they were doing four years ago and they fucking overdose and die mm-hmm. like it happens all the time yeah. because you're not treating the you're not treating the symptom you're just putting a band-aid over the over the wound yeah. I, I, I think as well I'm just going to sound this going to sound completely horrible but um, I think people like Richard Speck and, and the things that he did are sometimes needed in society and in the, in the progression of understanding people like this yeah so that you can you know hopefully prevent it which is the whole series about mind hunting yeah, and how to come up with the whole behavioral science it. you know it's horrible as it is and you know you go to amsterdam and you see Anne frank's house and it's so morbid and you're walking around and you're like i will never have an attic in a house i own i will and do you know what teaches you a good lesson about addicts that one it's a great le- lesson about addicts yeah. you know attic was bigger than some apartments i've lived in but hell never <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 not forgotten it's not built over it hasn't been refurbished into apartments it's there as a reminder of the terrible things that have happened yeah that society should learn from those horrible is the you know the murders and they shouldn't have happened but sometimes these things have to happen so that we can learn and move forward and not you know, prevent it from happening again yeah you know, that, that's it has to, it, it, better that it happened and we know how to prevent it than yeah. be afraid of something that we don't know. The, yeah. the, the known unknown and the unknown unknowns. Like, can, you, can you imagine how terrified society would be today if none of that had ever happened and the first mass, mass murder happened in 2018? Oh, to be murders. Yeah. Like, like, the world like, would just stop. Exactly. It'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it's. And do, we know, do we know FBI? Do we know chasing down the lads? Do we yeah. know systems of of uh, you know government? And some people say, yeah, it's great. The police wouldn't have hmm. a massive uh, uh, you know oligarchical system of control like a prison industrial complex and all this stuff yeah. that they have to keep people down, keep people in indentured servitude, yeah, uh, tantamount to slavery. Yeah, sure. But also, like, we should take care of people a bit better. We should. It's you like, know, uh, is it Demolition Man where yeah. they unfreeze him and he, and he kills someone and they're, we're police officers. We don't know how to be trained to deal with this. Yeah. It's like, mm. we have a murder death kill. It's the first one since 2009. <laughs> the most redundant title ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Spotton, you have been fined one credit for the morality statute or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that, like you said, Matt, it is definitely um, a necessary evil. Yeah. To know this is the barometer, this is the litmus paper of society. Yeah. We can, and, and you know what? People who don't do that can look at them and go, yeah, I feel great that I don't do that. Yeah. I'm just like emotionally abusive to my spouse. At least I don't strangle her and rape her. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, dude. And if I do, I mop up the semen. Nice so, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
of special of a special semen torch just to, just for that occasion <laughs> to find it all. Uh, so that's it for those conspiracy guys for this time. That was Richard Speck. We've been on with Adam and Matt from the Pod Squad. If you want to find the lads online, where can they go and find you? Uh, put Pod Squad P O D S K W O D into the Googs bar, into the Google bar, and you'll find us. You'll pull us up there. You'll We're be, you'll be everywhere. everywhere. We're everywhere. everywhere. Nice one. And uh, this is those conspiracy guys. Like I said at the top of the show, we're on everything Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, Pinterest, Reddit, all the stuff. The website, thoseconspiracyguys.com. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash thoseconspiracyguys. Or if you want to support the American documentary chip, and I would be eternally grateful for that. We're reaching a, a critical mass at the moment uh, for that project, and it's kicking off. We're leaving in November, so I really would like to get to a nice high target. So that's GoFundMe dot com slash tcg tv for that thanks to everybody for watching on video if you keep an eye on the youtube channel you might get a couple of clips out of this show for the public and if you want to watch live in the future you have to become a patreon so patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys thanks very much to the last for joining me much, much appreciated thanks for having us been great. and uh, go and listen to my version of their show <laughs> that i'm on that talking about conspiracies yeah. on the pod squad it's mental crack um so that's it for those conspiracy guys for this time i'm gordo i'm matt and i'm adam see you next time bye